This sicha, in addition to being a sicha connected to the Parsha Shavua, is also a siyum on Mesechta Babakama, a siyum that the Rebbe made in connection to Chafav, the yard site in Hilula of the Rebbe's father, Rebbe Levi Yitzchak. The Rebbe says, from this that the Eibishter says to Moshe Rabbeinu by the second set of Luchais, that he should carve out two stone luchos like the first ones. The Gemara learns out from the word psolucha that the psoil is the leftover chips of the luchos. Shalchoyehe will belong to you to Moshe Rabbeinu. Now we have a Mishnah in the Siyum of Masechta Babakama, and there there are various different halachas regarding a worker that's doing a malacha, doing work for a balabayis. And there's leftovers, there's things left over from the item, from the article with which he was working. Whether it belongs to him, to the worker, or it belongs to the balabayas, to the owner. So we have a Mishnah. The Mishnah says that those shreds of wool that the launderer removes from the piece of clothing that he's washing, so he could keep it. And that which uh, one who's combing the wool ends up with, again, some little pieces of material, that needs to go to the owner. So what's the reason for this? Because that which the launderer ends up getting little bits and pieces, little shreds of the material from the garment, by washing it is going to be something very, very small, insignificant, on which the balabayis wouldn't care, wouldn't mind, and therefore it belongs to the launderer, but that which comes out from combing the wool, that's going to belong to the owner, because that's going to be more of a dover chashuv, something more important, as Rashi explains, and he wouldn't be Michael, he wouldn't easily just um, give up on it. The Mishnah then goes through other cases as well, when we say it belongs to him, when we, to, the, to the worker, and when we say it belongs to the balabais, the Mishnah says, Masha hachorosh, moitzi b'matzod, the little shavings, the little, uh, little tiny chips that a carpenter will get out when he's using a plane, when he's trying to smoothen the wood. So that will again be very, very little tiny chips. Harei elu shaloi, that's going to belong to the carpenter. But that which he does, bakasha, which is some sort of axe, and therefore it's going to have bigger pieces of chips of wood, shalbalabais, that will belong to the owner. And then the Mishnah concludes and says, If this worker is actually working in the property, in the house of the balabayas of the owner, then even the soyrus, even sawdust, even the little tiny sawdust that is caused by a drill, which is very, very small and seemingly insignificant, yet it will belong to the balabayas, it will belong to the owner. The Gemara then brings a beraisa, Tanur Rabbonon, those that chisel stones, they're, they're not subject to the laws of theft. In other words, they are allowed to keep the little bits and pieces again that are being chiseled off the stone. Now, in regards to this Beraisa, the Rebbe Maharash says, and this is brought in a small little Rishima, it's written very briefly. It was actually written by the Rebbe Rashab, it was in connection to a siyum that the Rebbe Rashab's brother, Rebbe Menachem Mendel, the Rebbe Maharash's son, made on Masech the Babakama. And the Rebbe Maharash asks, 
regarding this din of mitzatze avonim, that those that chisel stones, there's no dinim of gezel, they're basically allowed to take whatever they want. And this is what he says, so we need to understand, if that's the case, why does Hashem need to say to Moshe Rabbeinu Psal that you could keep the psoilus, that you could keep the little bits of the stone of the luchos, since we just said there is no concept of gzela by little bits and chips of stone. In other words, they are hefker, they don't belong to the owner. The Rebbe Marash says, and the worker is closer, closest to these chips, it should, so automatically he should be able to keep it. So if that's the case, why does Hashem need to say psalacha? And the Rebbe, in other words, automatically he should be allowed to keep it, Moshe Rabbeinu should be allowed to keep it. The Rebbe Marash answers that there's a difference. In the case of the Luchais, the Luchais were made of Sanpirin, which is the name of a very precious stone. Whereas the Mishnah is discussing, or rather the Gemara, the Beraisa that we just mentioned, is discussing um, ordinary stones. There it was a precious stone, and that's why Moshe Rabbeinu would need special permission to be allowed to have the Psoilas, the leftovers. Now the Rebbe says that seemingly this beer of the Rebbe Maharash, that the psoilas, the leftovers of the luchos, we need to, Moshe Rabbeinu needs to have a special permit from uh, permission from Hashem for the psalacha to be allowed to have it. Why? Because it's of a precious stone. Says the Rebbe, this would only be necessary. This explanation, based on uh, uh, according to one of the opinions we're about to mention right now, the Rebbe says we know that there's a machloikas. There's two opinions in the medrash. We have Rab Levi and we have Rab Yochanan arguing from where Moshe Rabbeinu carved out the Luchos. One opinion says that was Mitachas Kisei HaKovit Psalon, that he carved it out from under the Kisei HaKovit. One opinion says, Mitoich Aholoi from Moshe Rabbeinu's own tent. Hashem created, made like a mine of stone, of precious stone in Moshe Rabbeinu's tent. Moshe Rabbeinu carved out the luchas from there and he was able to get the leftovers and that's how he became rich. Because, as said before, that it was San Pirinun, it was a precious stone. So now, according to the first opinion that the luchas were carved out from under the Kisei HaKavoid, and this, again, the first opinion would be that it was from under the Kisei HaKavoid, and the second opinion is that it was carved out from within Moshe Rabbeinu's tent, and d- down here, the Rebbe says, this is also obvious from the simple meaning of the psukim, according to the second opinion. Why? Because, Moshe Rabbeinu is told, only after he carves out the luchos, is he to- is, what's he supposed to do next? And then, come up to the mountain. So too, when he goes ahead and fulfills it, we find, Moshe Rabbeinu says, I made the Oren of Atzei Shittim. I carved out two luchos of stone like the first ones. And I went up the mountain with the two luchos. That's, and so too in Parshas Kisisa, it says the same thing. So again, according to the first opinion, it was all done mitachas kisei but the second opinion is saying that it was done down here. Now, according to the opinion that it was done up Lamaila, it was carved from under the kisei So then we wouldn't need a reason why Moshe Rabbeinu needs permission to take the psoilus. We don't need the reason that it's because of a precious stone. Only because it's a precious stone, Hashem has to tell him that you're still allowed to keep it. Why? 
Because the halacha is, as the Mishnah says, we quoted earlier, if the uman, if the worker is working in the owner's place, in the owner's property, then it automatically belongs to the owner, and therefore he wouldn't be allowed to take it. So Moshe Rabbeinu, even if it was a simple stone, would need Hashem's permission. So in other words, since Moshe Rabbeinu is working by the Balabais, by Hashem, we don't need the heter of, he would need that heter of Psalachot to be allowed to take the leftovers, because otherwise it should belong to the Balabais. It's only if we say, if we go according to the opinion that Moshe Rabbeinu did it down here, so down here the stone would have, the chips would have automatically been Moshe Rabbeinu's anyways, had it been regular stone. And that's why the Rebbe Maharash needs to explain that it was an eventoy because it was this precious stone. That's why he needed permission. Okay, now, the Rebbe continues with the Rishima of the Rebbe Maharash. It says over there that the Rashbats, a famous chosid of the Rebbe Maharash, asks that seemingly to Hashem, even an Evan Toiv is completely insignificant. What's the difference between a stone or a precious stone? Because again, we said, why didn't, why did he need permission? Because it was a precious stone. But compared to Hashem, a precious stone is just like a regular stone. To which the Rebbe Maharash responded, Hare Ason Lamata, but Moshe Rabbeinu, had performed all of this down here. Because the things that happened, Lamaila, there would be no psoilus. There's no psoilus up in the ones above. Whether it's referring to the first Luchos or generally Lamaila, there's no psoilus. So again, we see this idea that clearly it was done down here. And again, so because it was done down Lamata, so here we obviously are counting the way things are viewed down here Lamata, and therefore there's a difference between regular stones and precious stones. But automatically, again, we see this idea that we said before, that clearly the he's, Moshe Rabbeinu is not working, so to speak, in the domain of the Balabais, as we said before. Moshe Rabbeinu is doing everything down here Lamata. However, the Rebbe says there seems to be a difficulty. Because at, after all, Eitzel Balabayis working in Hashem's domain is all over, even down here. To use an expression chazal that's brought even in halacha in regards to other things, that wherever anything is, it's always, so to speak, within the storehouse of Hashem. Everything belongs to Hashem. So seemingly, even if Moshe Rabbeinu is doing it down here, Lamato, nevertheless, it would be the Psalacha, where is he carving out the stone? It's still Eitzel HaKadosh Baruch he's still working by Hashem. And therefore, seemingly, even if it was regular stone, Moshe Rabbeinu wouldn't have been allowed to take it without Hashem's explicit permission. So what, why, why is the Rebbe Maharash then saying that it's only because it's a precious stone, that's why he needs Hashem's permission? Again, seemingly even if Moshe Rabbeinu is working down here and carving it out down here, he would still need permission to take those chips, even if it wasn't a precious stone because he's working by Hashem. He's working within the domain of the Balabais. Now even though you're going to say, you can argue now on the other side, and said if you're speaking about Hashem, you can't say, that, Hash, that the Balabais is going to mind even about the little chips, even about the little pieces. Because obviously, Hashem, compared to Hashem, nothing matters at all. Nothing, it, it, it takes up any significance. And there's really no difference even between precious stones and regular stones, as the Rashbats pointed out. 
So you might say, who cares if it's in the house of Hashem? A regular person, if it's in his house, he minds, he, it's, then he'll want to keep even the little things. But Hashem, even if everything is in the domain of Hashem, but you might argue and say, but Hashem surely doesn't care about little pieces of stone. But as we quoted already before, the Rebbe Maharash says that Moshe Rabbeinu did it lamato, meaning to say, we are basing things how we look at it in this world, down here, and the dinim, the way they're viewed in this world, there definitely is a difference between, first of all, simple stones and precious stones, and also, that we do look of how things are viewed down here, Lamata, and the Dinema look down at down here, Lamata. So we can't just say, oh, Hashem doesn't mind, because we clearly see, for example, in a halacha, that when we're doing something for Hashem, we always need to use the very, very best, the nicest, kol chaylev la Hashem. We don't just say, oh, it doesn't matter to Hashem. So if that's the case, even if it's an ordinary stone, since it's Eitzel Balabayis, we're still within the domain of Hashem, Hashem is the Balabayis, and we just said, we're looking at things the way they're down here in this world. So once again, if it's in the Rishus, if it's in the domain of the Balabayis, then we need to say that the Balabayis does mind about those little pieces. And therefore, again, in conclusion, the question still remains, if everything is in the domain, in the property, in the possession of the Balabayis Hashem, so Moshe Rabbeinu would have needed permission, even if it's a simple stone. Again, why do we need to emphasize that it was a precious stone? In fact, says the Rebbe, we were just suggesting that nothing matters in the eyes of the Ebishter. You might actually say the other way around. Since Hashem didn't create anything in vain, so you can actually ask the other way. Hashem would mind about everything, even about the simplest things. But the bottom line is, again, this is the Nakuda of the question. Why do we need to say that it was a precious stone, seemingly even if it's a simple stone, you need to have permission. So the Rebbe starts off by suggesting that maybe you could say that in regards to stones specifically, there's actually no difference between working by the Balabayis or working on your own. In other words, that even if you're working by the Balabayis, you could keep the little extra little pieces of stone. Why would we say that? Because when we look in the Gemara, where does the Gemara bring this Beraisa? That mesatze avonim ain't bohemishum gezel. When it comes to the little leftovers of the chiseled stone, does, there's no concept of theft. The Gemara is bringing it not in the section of the Mishnah that's discussing the dinim, whether it belongs to the worker or to the balabayis. Rather, it brings it in the section vim hoya eitzel balabayis that if he's working by the balabayis, then the balabayis gets to keep it all. And on this, the, the Gemara then brings a Baraisa that by people that chisel stone, so then it definitely belongs to the worker, which makes it sound like that when we say chiseling stone, there's no concept of theft, is not only if he's working in his own place, but even if he's working by the Balabayas. And the Rebbe says, this could seemingly be proven, when we look at the other cases of that Baraisa, the Baraisa goes on to speak about that mefasge ilonois, people that are pruning trees or pruning um, grapevines. Again, we're going we're gonna to learn soon the dinim of those, but the point is, these are things simply that, of course, you're working, where are you working? You're working in the rishus of the balabayas. You're working in the vineyard of the balabayas. 
And yet, as we're going to see, in many cases, the worker could keep those things. So therefore, you might say over here as well, even if the worker is working by the balabayas, when it comes to chiseled stone, he could keep it. And based on this, we'll be able to explain what the Rebbe Maharash says, that we need to say that P'sol why you why does Hashem need to tell Moshe Rabbeinu that he could keep it, is because it was a special stone. Because if it was a regular stone, there would be no difference if it's in the owner's house or it's in the worker's house. In both cases, Ein Bemishum Gezel, there will never be considered a concept of theft. However, the Rebbe is not satisfied with this. The Rebbe says it's a doichik, because the svara to be able to differentiate between the work that the worker is doing by the balabayis or not, would seemingly apply also by those that are chiseling stones. So why, why would we say that there should be any difference between stones and the other cases of cutting wood, etc.? Especially that we don't find any such thing that a poisik should, any poiskim should say that by those that chisel stones, there's, no, there, we don't have this halacha that if it's in the balabayis's house, then the balabayis keeps it. Furthermore, says the Rebbe, even in the words of the Rebbe Maharash and that above mentioned Rishima, what does he say? He says that when the, when the person's cutting the stone, chiseling the, the stone, we said the Balabayas um, doesn't care about it. And the worker is closer to it, which makes it sound like that, that, that by the, those cutting the stones, this concept of it sounds specifically that when it's not by the Balabayas. Because had it been by the Balabayas, we can't say that the Uman is closer. Why is the Uman closer? Why is the worker closer? It's by the Balabayas. Says the Rebbe, in order to understand all of this, we're first going to have a look at a difference about how these halachas are brought in the Beraisa that we spoke about, and how the same halachas being discussed in the Toisefta. The Rebbe says, in the Beraisa, the Beraisa divides these halachas into two separate cases and situations. First, the Beraisa says, Mesatse Avonim, those that chisel the stones, Ein Bahemishum Gezel, there's absolutely no theft. Then it starts discussing other cases. Mephasge is those that are pruning trees, those that are pruning grapevines, those that are pruning thorn bushes, or um, other uh, weeding sort of uh, vegetations and vegetables, and so on and so forth. The Beraisa says that it depends. If the Balabayis cares about these things, he's particular about these things, then there is the prohibition, you're not allowed to steal them, you're not allowed to take them for yourself, there's Gzela. If the Balabayis is not particular about them, he doesn't care about them, then you could keep it. What did we see over here? Regarding Avonim, it seemed to make just a blanket statement. There's no Gzela. Regarding these other things, we made a differentiation whether the Balabayis cares or not. Now let's look at the Toisefta. The Toisefta puts it all together as one case. Misatse Avonim, Mefaske Kfanim, Menachfei Higin, etc. All of these different things, Menachshei Zroim, all of these different things, we say it depends. If the Balabayis cares, then you're not allowed to take it. There's Gzela. If the Balabayis doesn't care, then you're, you're allowed to have it. There's no Gzela at all. So what do we see over here? There seems to be a machloikas between this Beraisa and the Mesef, and the Teisefta, whether 
by stones, it even matters if the Balabayas cares. Do we say, no, stones you can just keep, we don't care about what the Balabayas thinks, or do we say, no, it 100% matters whether the Balabayas cares about it or not. What's the reason for this Machloikas? The Rebbe actually points out that in the tour, although he brings the din, of mefas ge'ilonais and oidre yirakais, those that are pruning the trees and those that are pruning the, the vegetables, etc., which are words that are only brought in the beraisa and not in the toisefta, so you would think that it's following the beraisa, and yet it says like the toisefta that just a plain blanket statement, sorry, it, it says like the toisefta that regarding those that cut stones, it does make a difference whether the balabayas cares or not. So how do we understand this difference? So the Rebbe starts explaining and saying, according to the Baraisa, clearly there's a difference between those that chisel the stones and the other cases, like those pruning the trees and the vegetables, the plants, and so on and so forth. Why is that? Because in the case of Mephas Ge'ilonis, pruning trees or other similar sorts of things, clearly there's more chashivus in these things, there's more importance to these things that are being cut more than by the little bits of stone that are falling off. And therefore we would say that the Balabai, it depends if the Balabayas cares. If the Balabayas cares about these things, then it's considered Gzela. If the Balabayas doesn't care, then you could keep it. Or, as it discusses over there, it sometimes also depends on the place. If it's a place that people generally don't care, the Minig Anche Amadine is not to care about these little things, then we'll actually say, even if there's a particular Balabayas that does care, then Butler Daita, we don't even take his opinion into consideration, because the Deruch of this place is that people don't care. So, now in this case, when we say that it depends on the Kpeda's Balabayas, of how much the Balabayas cares, or the Balabayas doesn't care, we can now have, within this itself, two Svaris. What does it mean? How does it become now the workers? Why is it becoming mutar if the Balabayas doesn't care? Do we say, one way of looking at it is that we say that since he doesn't care, it's as if he just basically made it hefker, and therefore it should technically be hefker to anybody, not only to the one, the worker itself, um, or to a specific person, it's just generally hefker. So that's one way of looking at it. Or do we say it's more like a matono? We're saying since it's something so small, it's like the, the, the owner is giving it, he's ready to give it to whoever is going to be taking it. And this is even Shaloi to even if the owner technically doesn't know right now that the person is taking it, but he's giving it to the person as a gift. So that's in regards to these other things that have some sort of chashivus in a little bit of a way, or we said a, a tiny bit of chashivus at least, but the owner doesn't care so much. So again, either he's making it hefker or actually giving it away. What does the Baraisa say regarding Mesatse Avonim? Regarding those that chisel stones. Ein bohem mishum gezel. What that means is that the chashivus of these little crumbs of stone, of rock, that are coming off are even less than the pruned trees. By them, we don't even need this concept of Ein Balabayis Makbedalein. We're not even saying it's about the Balabayis not caring about them. Rather, because they are worth so little, because they're so insignificant, they're on their own, inherently almost. They are completely hefker. 
That means these are things that have absolutely no chivus, no value to people. So on their own, automatically they are hefker. And in, because of this, even if there's going to be a balabayas that says, I do care, but Lodaitoi, his das will be nullified, wouldn't count. And not only because this is compared to other people that don't mind, but rather because again, Be'etzem, there's like no balabatashka, there's no ownership on something of so little value, of so, on something so insignificant. Again, to use the words of the Rebbe Maharash, that Rishima, where he's medayik, he says, Opirush, Mepneishem, Hefker, they are Hefker, they don't belong to the owner. Or to put it slightly in different words, in the case of Mephasge Ilonis, in the case of those that prune the trees or other similar things, where you say that it depends whether the Balabayas cares or not, or we might say it depends on the Minik Anche Amokim, as we said before. So then we say that the Geder of Hefker, or we said Matono, is all mitzad the person. We call it the Gavra, it's as far as the person is concerned. Either he made it Hefker, or he's giving it as a gift. But the thing itself has at least some sort of shiva, some sort of value. Where if we say that Ein Bohem Mishum Gezel, there's no concept of Gzela at all by the Mesatzei Avonim, or some of these other Kshus V'chaziz, which are like unripe grains and other types of vegetation, which we say that there's absolutely no Gezel at all, it's more like the Hefza itself, the object itself on its own is Hefka. It has nothing to do even with the person with the Balabayas. Says the Rebbe, now we could start understanding the reason for the difference between the Beraisa and the Tesefta. Where we said that the Beraisa just said that there's absolutely no Gzela at all by the Avonim, and the Tesefta sort of put it together with the other things that it all depends on the, on the Kepedas Balabayas, whether the Balabayas cares or not. How do we understand this? So the Rebbe first starts discussing the general difference between Beraisa and Tosefta. The Rebbe says this is brought in the Mepharshim that explained the Klolei Hashas. And that is, Tosefta are generally things that were added to the Mishnah. And therefore, they're never brought in, the Gemara wouldn't start off with Tanya or Tanu Rabbonon. The Tosefta's are basically things that Rabchia learned in front of Rebbe and was further explanations on the Mishnah itself. And Rebbe would tell him, write this, write, write it in this way, write it in that way, and so on and so forth. As the Gemara says, regarding a specific thing, it says, Rebbe loishana, Rebbe If Rebbe didn't teach it, how would Rebbe know it? In other words, these are things that were clearly taught in the base Medrash of Rebbe, which Rebbe discussed with Rebbe, and so on. On the other hand, Beraisois, are other kinds of similar to Mishnayas, but these were things that were said not in front of Rebbe, not with Rebbe's knowledge, etc. These were outside of his base medrash, and these were comp- compiled and made by Rabbi Rabbeishia, other Chachamim, but not not under the authorship of Rebbe. In fact, the word Beraisa itself is from the word Baro, which means on the outside. They were outside the base medrash of Rebbe. So again, Toiseftois are things that were done in front of Rebbe, Beraisus outside. Says the Rebbe, if Tosefta, Rabchia, organized and authored in front of Rebbe, that means where was it said? It's in Eretz Yisrael. That's where Rebbe's yeshiva was. On the other hand, Beraisus, which were done outside the base medrash of Rebbe, that's very possible that it was learned in Bavel, especially Rabchia came from Bavel. And generally, the Rebbe says it makes sense that Beraisus are much more connected to Bavel 
Because we know that in the times of Rebbe, Yidin had starting to, started going out to faraway places, in Golis, etc. Bavel was actually became the main center of Torah. So therefore the Rebbe says, Baraisa is generally much more connected to Bavel. So now let's look at the difference between Eretz Yisrael and Bavel. We have a Pasuk, this is in the story of the Doira Flog, Migdal Bavel and all of that. The Pasuk says, the people, they say, let us make bricks. And the bricks, the Pasuk says, were for them like stones, they used them as stones. Why do they use brick as stones? Rashi says, Bavel is a place of a valley, there were no stones over there, they needed to use bricks. Because stones are something completely not available there. And therefore, says the Rebbe, if stones is something that Bachlal not used in Bavel, so therefore, if someone did have stones, which clearly we brought for some, somewhere else, etc., stones themselves are not even used, so the little tiny bits and pieces broken off from stone are completely valueless. And therefore, the Beraisa, which again, Beraisa is mainly in Bavel. What does the Beraisa say? Misatse Avonim, those that chisel the little pit, bits and pieces off the stones, ain't by a Mishum Gezel, there's absolutely no concept of theft at all taking them. They're inherently, completely hefker, again, in Bavel. And therefore, even if someone, the owner would say, I do care, we don't even look at his opinion. On the other hand, in Eretz Yisrael, and again, this is where the Toysefta was made, where Avonim is a more common thing. It's used for building and for other uses. In fact, Eretz Yisrael is praised. The Pasuk says, Eretz Asher Avon Neho Barzel. So therefore, even the little bits of stone are important, or at least have some sort of significance, at least like the bits that are being pruned from the, from the vines, from the grapevines, etc. And therefore, it's going to depend now, does the Balabayis mind, or does he not mind about it? Says the Rebbe, now we can understand what the Rebbe Marash is saying in that Rishima. Because now we're going to look what happens by Moshe Rabbeinu. Is it more similar to Eretz Yisrael or more similar to Bavel in this context, in this sense? Yidin at that time are going in the Midbar. In the Midbar, clearly, stones are not a regular thing that you're, be, that you're using, that you have. Although, of course, there are Avonim mentioned in the Midbar. For example, that it says in the story of the Mekoshish Eitzim, where he did an Aveira, Mechilul Shabbos, and he was stoned. But generally, not really using much stones in the Midbar, especially not for building you're not building permanent structures over there. The Yidin are traveling and Vayisu, Vayachnu, Vayisu, etc. So therefore, it would be more similar to what? To Bavel, where there's no stones. And therefore, what would we say? Misatse Avonim, those that are chiseling stones, there's Lechatchila, no concept of Gzela in the little bits and pieces. To use again the words of the Rebbe Maharash, Mepnei Sheim Hefker, they are Hefker, they don't even belong to the owner. They're completely hefker because of the hefzer, because of the object itself. Not only depending on whether the owner cares or doesn't care. So if that's the case, that was the question originally, we, that why does Hashem even need to tell him, you should keep the psalos. Now we can understand the question. Because again, originally we didn't understand, we said seemingly if he's working by the balabayas, maybe the owner does care, so, etc., and therefore he has to be told, Psalocha, you're allowed to keep it. But now we understand, no, when it comes to stones in the Midbar, there's absolutely no caring about it, no matter what. So if it would be just regular stone, the Ebishter wouldn't need to tell him, Psalocha, you're allowed to keep it. Of course he's allowed to keep it. And this is what the Rebbe Maharash says, 
that here that there's a difference between a precious stone or regular stones. So by the din of a precious stone, so therefore, technically, there would be a concept of gzela. You can't say like by a regular stone that there's no concept of gzela, because a regular stone has absolutely no chivas. But of course, the little chips and the shavings of, a, of, of the precious stone definitely do have chivas. And therefore, we can understand why Hashem needs to tell Moshe Rabbeinu, P'salacha. Now the Rebbe looks at one more detail within the words of the Rebbe Maharash. It said, that the uman, the, the, the worker is closer to these little chips and that's why he could keep it. So now the Rebbe is explaining that what does this mean? We don't mean compared to Hashem. Because, again, we're not even looking at it now as the issue is that he was working by Hashem. How could he keep it? Or that he needs permission to keep it? We're not speaking about that at all. What we mean rather is why does he get it more than anybody else? Woman Karav Yoiser, he's closer to it than anybody else. That's why the woman gets to keep it. And therefore, because he's closer to it, that's why he's automatically kinder. In other words, originally we thought that because the worker is closer to it, that's why, the bala, it's, it, that's why it's not the balabais, the, the worker gets it. Now we're saying no, because the worker is closer than other people, that's why the worker ends up getting it. Or Moshe Rabbeinu ends up getting it. The Rebbe now moves on, and the Rebbe now goes to another explanation of why Moshe Rabbeinu needs the heter of Psalucha regarding the Luchais. Looking at it from a totally different angle. Till now we were looking at it, is that Moshe Rabbeinu needs the heter to keep it, rather than that it belongs to the Ebishter, so the Ebishter tells Moshe Rabbeinu, you could keep it. The Rebbe is now going to look at it a totally different way, and saying that Moshe Rabbeinu is allowed to keep it, even though technically, who should it be? The Yiddens. So the Rebbe says like this, the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu needs the heter of Psalucha is not because the Psoilus, the leftovers, belongs to the Balabayas, to Hashem, but rather because the Luchos, now remember, the Luchos are in the Arain, in the Mishkan, and like all matters of the Mishkan and the Mikdash, the Luchos, and together with everyone, everything else, belongs to the Tzibur, belongs to Klau Yisrael, it has to be given over, as Allah is, everything in the Mikdash needs to be given over, the Tzibur, Yafa Yafa, it has to be given over after it was made, or Lechatchili, even before it's made, that it belongs to the whole tzibur. The, it has to be the asiyah, the making of it needs to belong to the tzibur. And therefore, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu is going to need the heter for, so that he's allowed to keep it, that it doesn't automatically go to the tzibur. So Hashem needs to tell him you're allowed to keep it. The Rebbe says this could also be understood from the continuation of the Gemara, where the Gemara says, that the Torah is given, only to Moshe Rabbeinu himself, as the Pasuk says, Ksav and it also says, Psal the Gemara learns, that just like in Psal it means Moshe Rabbeinu was going to be owning those leftovers, so to Ksav means that the writing of the Luchas is also Moshe Rabbeinu's. What does it mean the writing of the Luchas is Moshe Rabbeinu's? The Gemara explains that it means the Pilpul of Torah. The concept of Pilpul belongs to Moshe Rabbeinu, <coughs> it was given to Moshe Rabbeinu and not to the Tzibur. Later in the Sikha we'll see that Moshe Rabbeinu shared it with Klal Yisrael. So therefore the Gemara says, just like the Pilpul of Torah was given over to Moshe Rabbeinu and not to the Tzibur, so to Psal it's going to belong to Moshe Rabbeinu. And that's what he's being told, you're allowed to keep the Psalus, it's not going to belong to the Tzibur. That's what the point was. Now even though you could say, What's the chidush that Moshe Rabbeinu is allowed to keep it and not the tzibur seemingly? 
If it's going to belong to the tzibur to klal Yisrael, even if it's made of a precious stone, how much is going to be left for every yid? Definitely less than a shava pruta for every single yid. And the concept of loisigzel doesn't apply unless it's a shava pruta. Because Torah only obligates in matters of mamoin, in matters of money, and less than a shava pruta is not even considered money. So you might say, oh, so what's the Chiddush of Moshe Rabbeinu is allowed to take it. So the Rebbe says, no, it's definitely a Chiddush of Moshe Rabbeinu is allowed to take it. Because obviously you're not allowed to steal, and you're definitely not allowed to steal the money of a tzibur, no matter, even if it's something less. And you can't just come along and say, Ein bohem mishum gezel, there's no gzela, because clearly you're not allowed to steal even a tiny drop, and that's minatayra. Question is whether we'll go to Basin with Yechayev and all of that. So therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu needs to be told clearly that even in this case, even though technically the, the Luchas belong to the Tzibur, nevertheless, and the, the Psoilus should have belonged to them, the Ebishter is telling him you could keep the Psoilus. The Rebbe concludes the Sicha with a beer Pnimi in the idea that we find differences in the Bailus um, regarding the Luchas Shniyos that we're saying that the Luchas generally belong to the Tzibur, to all of the Yidden. And regarding the Psoilus, we're saying it's going to Moshe Rabbeinu. So the Rebbe says, in regards to the giving of the Torah, the way it was given by Luchashnias, there was the Chidush, as the Gemara goes on to say, as we mentioned before, that the Psoilas belongs to Moshe Rabbeinu, so too the Ksav belongs to Moshe Rabbeinu, and what, the way we mentioned it earlier is that the Gemara explains that this means the pilpul of Torah was given to Moshe Rabbeinu. And the Rebbe says that this is the deeper meaning of the words, which we mentioned earlier from the Rebbe Maharash, that he said, lamata, the Moshe Rabbeinu made the, made the Luchas down here, because the Luchas of up above, there would be no Psoilus. That is, the Torah, the way it's coming, which generally is the Torah more associated with the first set of Luchas, is on a level of Achdus. There is no concept of separation, there's absolute unity. There's definitely no concept of Psoilus in the Inyanim, the way they are Malmaila. Regarding the first set of Luchas, we said, Every way you looked at it was just looking at it from the front. There's no leftovers, there's no, the, there's no extras, there's no back. Everything is front. As Torah comes down Lamata, which generally that's like the idea of Luchai Shniyas, which are given already after the Tshuva for Cheto Egel. In other words, this is a Tshuva that was Poyol Kavayochel, Lamayla, that they should be given the Luchais. Now we suddenly have what's called the Schalkos Madregis within Torah itself. Now we have many different levels. There's the higher levels of Torah, there's the front, there's the back. There's a concept of Psoilas, even so to speak, the leftovers, Kavayochel. So says the Rebbe, now let's understand the different, the connection between what we said that the Psoilas belongs to Moshe, as well as the Ksav, which is the pilpul of Torah, belongs to Moshe. So the Rebbe says like this, the pilpul that Moshe Rabbeinu was given is something very, very great. This is the opposite Luchayr of the union of Luchais, of the Psoilus of the Luchas, which we just said seems like a very, very low level. But the Rebbe explains, specifically through the Luchais Shniyos, was achieved the idea that there's now going to be the concept of Yigiyah in Torah, of effort, of toil in Torah, as explained at length in, at length in Chsidus. Now in this idea, we find two opposites coming together. On the one hand, the Yigiyah in Torah, toil in Torah is coming because of concealments, because of questions, because of problems. That sounds more like the psoilus aspect of Torah. There's, compared to the etzim, the essence seichel of Torah, which is clear. On the other hand, it's specifically through that Yigiyah that we come to the deepest part of Torah, to the essence of Torah, higher than the way Torah is on its own. And as to, uh, higher than the way Torah is even as far as Lucas or Rishonis are concerned, 
as explained in Chassidus at length. And this is the idea of Pulpula Doi Raisa that was given to Moshe Rabbeinu. The Gemara calls it Pulpula Baalma as if just Pulpul, that all, just Pulpul was given to him. But on the other end, we say that really this is the idea of Havonah Vacharifus of understanding and the sharpest and the deepest aspects of Torah, uh, such a high level of, of Asogas HaToyrah. And in fact, Moshe Rabbeinu acted in a generous way with this, and he also shared it with the Yidin.